Nation podcast, and who knows, we might be dead on Sunday, but hey, at least we're here for you this week. With me, as always, is Leo Luna of 49ers Goldmine. How are you doing? Man, you got me cracking up with the we might be dead on Sunday. Jeez, if you uh, if you don't get that joke, uh, it's, it's definitely all over the internet now with Kyle Shanahan uh, basically stating that in his presser. Uh, I'm feeling great. Had uh, had some great, great food for the mom's birthday. Uh, went to a, a a restaurant in downtown or old town of San Diego. So I had some seafood, had some carne asada, had some, some chicken as well. So feeling alive, I'm going to say, especially since it's not Sunday yet. It's not, it's not Sunday yet. And so hopefully this isn't the last episode you hear from us, but... I mean, this is it. This is the final show before the Niners make the most important decision in the history of the organization. And, I mean, they had a press conference today that was originally supposed to just be John Lynch. And at the last minute, Kyle Shanahan said, screw you guys, I'm coming in. And he decided to show up too and give the perfect quote when asked, you know, can you give us, (laughs) can you tell us that Jimmy Garoppolo is for sure going to be on this team on Sunday? And Kyle responded just like this. Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, So that goes for all of us. (laughs) So now you hear why it's so funny. I can't believe he said that. Um, I mean, what do you think of this presser? It felt like Kyle was kind of pissed off. Yeah, it seemed uh, to me much ado about nothing. Uh, The biggest thing I took away from it was Kyle Shanahan shaved uh, and that he cannot guarantee the life of any human being. But besides that, it, it just seems like they know who their guy is and they don't give a crap who the media is going to say who their guy is. They could care less because what Kyle stated is they don't want to tip their hand to any team in the NFL. Uh, That doesn't help them by doing so. If anything, it can help other teams. They get zero benefit by saying who their guy is or, you know, turning down any type of rumor. So that's the thing I took out of it is whatever you see, from these national media members and what they're trying to tie the trade to just don't stress about it because Shanahan's not John Lynch is not. And it appears they have their guy. It's what I can guarantee. It's going to be one of the three we've been talking about for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the biggest thing that was with this was, you know, it felt like Kyle was almost mad about the way that people have been talking about him in some ways. And, you know, he was kind of defensive and it's like, it's felt for the longest time, like the whole Mac Jones thing has been like a smokescreen put on by the NFL specifically. And I think part of it is also that the 49ers don't want to leak who is going to be three because they want to make sure that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson so they can take who they want. But at the same time, it's just like, it felt like Kyle was kind of sick of the whole Mac Jones thing because... I mean, don't get me wrong, like, no one asked in this press conference specifically, like, you know, anything about Fields or Lance. They only asked about Mac Jones, and, you know, Kyle was just kind of like, well, you know, someone asked him, like, what did you think of Mac Jones? And his answer was, like, something like, I uh, I like him and all four other quarterbacks. And it's like, you can't even say what you like about Mac Jones? Like, it just felt like Kyle was pretty done with the way that this has uh, happened since the trade. Very different. Um, the way he conducted himself was very different in this press conference than it was when they after they made the trade, obviously. I would say the biggest thing is also, uh, not the biggest, but something that caught my eye is Shanahan has never done a pre-draft presser. It's always been John Lynch by himself. But now Kyle Shanahan was included on it. So that tells me, this is Kyle Shanahan's decision here. Um, whether it was Kyle's decision to be involved in the presser or if it was John Lynch's decision to ask Kyle to be involved in the presser, what I take from it is that this is Kyle Shanahan's decision, not John Lynch. Do I believe Kyle Shanahan has taken everybody's input? Absolutely. Um, 
But is he, at the end of the day, making a decision? Yes. And it seems like that's something we all knew all along, that it was going to be Kyle Shanahan getting his guy. And the fact that he was involved in today's presser, answering the questions, being on the front line of the heat, essentially, proves if anybody else had any other doubt as far as like, oh, it's going to be the front office having the final say. No, this is Kyle Shanahan's final say. So whoever they select at three, it's Kyle Shanahan's decision. And honestly, like whatever quarterback they take, if Kyle Shanahan had this much balls to make this move for that guy, I'm going to ride with coach. I'm going to ride with coach uh, because you're investing three first round picks on him. And if an offensive genius like Kyle Shanahan is willing to invest that much draft capital, move off a guy that he has a winning record with, the only quarterback in the NFL he has a winning record with as a head coach. That's that's the only like comfort zone I have uh, if this pick is not Justin Fields. That's the that's my only comfort blanket to say Kyle Shanahan's Don't really willing to do all of this. He's willing to do all of this for someone he believes in. So he can make me a believer in that way. But I do believe as of today, while we record this, Justin Fields is the pick. See, you're supposed to leave that for the end. You're supposed to leave some suspense, damn it, Leo. Oh, it's fine. At the end of this show, we're going to give our final picks for who will be number three and kind of like a little bit of prediction what might happen on draft night. But, you know, it felt like this was kind of the beginning of the end with this. You know, we, we, we saw those guys talk one more time before the next time they talk, they will have whoever is picked at three in between them. And, you know, it just feels like there was a one piece of information that actually did get out of those news, but like the rest of it really felt like it was them kind of talking a little bit about how they're feeling about the pick and, 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 Honestly, I don't know if this is just me, Leo. I'm going to ask you this, but it felt like Kyle trolled the media a little bit today. Like, I feels like Kyle's just been having fun with this whole thing, and he's kind of he's kind of having his fun, and he's sort of done at the same time. It just feels like at this point, like Kyle knows who it's going to be on Thursday, and I think that he's not going to tell you, and he's not going to tell anybody, and I think on Thursday it's just going to come down to you know Roger Goodell announcing this decision that we've been pondering for over a month and a half. That's my, I, I say right now, my, my mental therapy is how the, the San Francisco Giants are doing. But my reality when it comes to the 49ers of my mental therapy is that on Thursday night, before I go to sleep, I know who this pick is. And once Roger Goodell says that name, we know what direction they're in. We know basically what other moves are going to be made corresponding to that. And it's kind of surreal because you and I have been talking about this for months, months. And, and after all of this conversation, it goes away by Roger Goodell reading a little piece of paper. This whole conversations we've had for this long on Twitter, on the podcast, it just evaporates that quickly. Yeah. It, it's kind of surreal. And I think it is surreal. And I think it's like, at this point, I'm like, I'm ready for it to happen. I can't. <laughs> I can't fathom how excited I am to finally know who the hell the quarterback is going to be for the 49ers for the next five years. And I think that it's actually going to be kind of weird because we're not, we're going to have to start talking about some new things on the show oh, yeah. every week as we get closer to the season. But um, let's get into some of these questions before we, you know, talk a little bit about what we think is going to happen on Thursday night. We got some voicemails and we got a couple messages from you guys. Uh, we're going to start with uh, our first voicemail. Uh, this is from David. Um, let's hear the let's hear the voicemail real quick. Hi, this is for Nate and Leo's show, Niner Nation. Uh, my question is: I know the quarterback role is probably the most important role at this point, but what could be the second most important role for the Niners to acquire? So here he basically asking, you know, what's the second most important thing? Like, so quarterback, obviously we've been saying for months is the number one most important thing in all of the draft and all of the Niners. So now we have to actually think, you know, what's the second most important position. I think there's a couple that we've talked about on the show that could be the second, but 
you know, I'll let you go first. Like, what do you think is the second most important position the Niners have to get right for them to continue to be a Super Bowl contender in this draft? First off, I want to see them get to the playoffs. I think this is a Super Bowl contending roster because it's a top five roster. If it's a top five roster, how is it not a Super Bowl contending roster? Um, but I want to see them in the playoffs first before I throw out that word. Uh, but I think what could excel this team is going to be another skill position player, whether it's a wide receiver or running back. This offensive line, especially the addition of Alex Mack, you guys have heard me say that quite a bit. I They get their quarterback on the offensive line. That's going to call out different defensive looks. Um, tight end, legit in George Kittle. If they do decide to throw to Ross Twelly 20 times on the season, he has a pretty darn good QB rating when targeted. So tight end too. That's, I would like an athletic guy just for my personal satisfaction, uh, a tight end that runs like 4-5 rather than Ross Dwelly, who's a closer to uh, a five flat than a four or five, but Hey, he gets the job done. And then um, when you look at the defense, granted those corners stay healthy, legit starting corners, legit starting safeties, um, legit defensive line, legit linebackers. If you're going with the rookie quarter quarterback, you got to surround him with talent. You got Debo Samuel, you got Brandon Ayuk which are very nice players. You got Raheem Mostert and you have Jeff Wilson Jr. who are nice running backs. But I think they are missing a piece there um, to where whether it's a third wide receiver, uh, someone that you can trust, say that Kendrick Bourne role. Uh, I, I do believe they need to feel that. I like Richie James Jr. Justin Fields, if he is the quarterback, he's expected to elevate their third wide receiver like much of the quarterbacks do on their roster around the NFL um, because I think Richie James is more than capable to do so as a third wide receiver. He's basically a fourth wide receiver if you include George Kittle in the passing game. Um, so whether they want to fill that and maybe get a bump over Richie James with, with a better talent in the second round, like an Elijah Moore or, or someone of that caliber, or in the running back position, while Raheem Moser and Jeff Wilson are nice, I would be very happy to see an elite talent like Najee Harris, Javante Williams, or Travis Etienne in the backfield. I I know they say Shanahan could turn an undrafted free agent into a top better of the half running backs in the league. Great. That is cool. Um, I, I do enjoy that because you get great value when that happens. But I would not mind seeing in an elite talent at the running back position yes Terrell Davis was an undrafted free agent he you know he wasn't a first round pick under Mike Shanahan in Denver but at the end of the day he was an elite talent Kyle Shanahan hasn't really had his Terrell Davis if he could get a Najee Harris or a uh, okay Javante Williams and, and Travis Etienne I didn't mean to say their full names all over again but hey we're here uh, if he could get one of those three guys, he completes his Terrell Davis. And what happened when Mike Shanahan had his Terrell Davis? They won two Super Bowls. When Mike Shanahan didn't have his Terrell Davis, they didn't win any Super Bowls. Kyle Shanahan has yet to win any Super Bowls. Rather, Raheem Moser was pretty damn close to, to Terrell Davis' production by the end of the 2019 season, and that's what I mean. If you could get that production, but from a constant standpoint from week one throughout the playoffs, now we're talking about, you know, uh, just just in a dynamic offense that it's going to be very difficult to stop. And and we did that in 2019 with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. So a dynamic playmaker, whether it's the wide receiver, that's fine. That's cool. But if you get me a, Terrell Davis type of production from the running back position. Maybe that, that get limits Raheem Mostert's per, uh, reps per game and to where Raheem Mostert's not missing any games and you have him in there with his crazy high career rushing yards per attempt average. Sweet. Just give me that elite production from the Go running give me back Najee. position again. Go give me one of those guys. One of those three. I I think you're I think you're totally right. I think that's that's the right answer here. Um, 
obviously I have to be different because I don't want to give the same exact answer, but I totally agree with you. I think that is the second most important thing in this draft. But I think that the, if you're thinking further what the next important position is, I think another edge rusher, another really good edge rusher, maybe the second or third round, I think would be huge. Joe Tyron out of Washington, um, I think would be really good to pair with Bosa and, you know, Ebukam. I just think having edge rushers, you can never have enough of them. Having D tackles, you can never have enough of them. You know, they prove that with an elite edge rush and an elite pass rush, they can make the Super Bowl. And, you know, if Nick Bosa comes back and he's the guy that he was or even close to the guy he was his rookie season, then their team's going to have a great pass rush. And Ebucam's going to be huge for that. I think Kinlaw's going to take another step. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Kinlaw yet lately. That man is massive. Like, he looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Like, it's insane how big that dude is. And if he can play as big as he is, I'm totally down for that. I think that, you know defensive line is what this brought, brought this team to the Super Bowl in the first place. And I think if they can get better quarterback play and they won't, you know, work out that Shanahan doesn't have to take the ball away from his quarterback and go to the run game where they run the ball a million times, then it's going to just make it even easier to win a Super Bowl over, you know, Buffalo or Cleveland or Kansas city or anything like that. You know, like those are going to be the teams you're probably going to see in the Super Bowl. you know, saying just Cleveland's a little crazy, but you know what I mean? Like, or the Colts maybe like, with if you have an elite pass rush, you will be able to beat those teams, and that's all you have to do is once you get there. Because you know, I think they're like we said, top five roster. I think they're better than most of the teams in the NFC, and I think with an elite pass rush, they can take the will out of another team, and you know, they can score points willingly on anybody. But I I agree. The for your first answer was perfect. An elite, you know, cat pass catcher slash running back. I think that would be amazing to acquire in this draft and be really exciting to pair with, you know, your new quarterback. Honestly, I think, I think even the pass rushing route answer is perfect to get, get close as 2019 as possible from a pass rush perspective um, from what we saw in 2019, because look what they did to Aaron freaking Rodgers. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Like he didn't face the 49ers that we saw that he saw in 2020. Um, and what happened? He ended up winning MVP. He didn't really have any games like he did uh, besides that one game on the road in, in Tampa. And you saw who's the other competition in the NFC besides, say, if the 49ers are contending, uh, it will be the Packers. Okay, you get you get that pass rush. You fold Aaron Rodgers. Tampa, like you just said, you'll fold Tom Brady if you get that pass rush. Russell Wilson, whether this, like, he literally almost lost a game to C.J. Beathard, but because it was C.J. Beathard, they won that game. Uh, the 49ers, you, you get close as 2019 as possible with that pass rush. They could be pretty deadly. They they really could. Um, this one is more, so this question is, or this voicemail is not really a question, but I think it's interesting. I want you to listen to it real quick and then comment on what you think. This is Dave. Something I wanted to, to mention. I was listening to the pod today, and, you know, um, everybody kind of goes back to, you know, okay, Mac Jones couldn't beat out Tua um, or Jalen Hurts. And then they always say, well, you know, Justin Fields didn't beat out um, who was it from, I guess, there at, at Georgia. Well, you have to remember that apparently a player on the baseball team um, made a racial slur towards, uh, I don't know if it was towards Fields or just in general, and that actually was the main reason that Fields left Georgia. So it really didn't come down to him be- beating him out. Um, I think it was more of like, you know, he did not feel comfortable with the, the people there and, and uh, whatnot. So just wanted to mention that because, um, again, people always throw around, oh, he couldn't beat him out. Um, but I think really it had to do with that. That might just work. Keep up what you guys are doing. Um, I listen every day. And uh, go Niners. All right. So you listen to that and, you know, it makes a little more sense. I think we talked a little bit about why Fields left Georgia. And I think a lot of people, you know, constantly come up with this question. Well, if Mac couldn't beat out Tua, look at look at Justin Fields. He couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. And we all know where Jake Fromm is. And so, you know, this kind of makes a little more sense to why he decided to leave Georgia and go to Ohio State. What do you think? Um, so I heard something similar. Uh, basically the same exa- exact story that he's stating there. A lot of it was that he lost trust within 
within the university, uh, once that racial slur happened to him, he, he expected more from the university to basically say, like, not even him as his profile, being a dual athlete, being, you know, QB1, essentially coming in since since straight Fawn was off to the New England Patriots, and then being a, a MLB talent that was supposed to be drafted. He expected more as far as being treated as a person, not a celebrity, if that makes sense, uh, just for the human rights perspective. And when he saw that they dropped the ball on it and basically did nothing, that's what led him to being out. Um, another thing I heard is just he he is mature in a way to where it wasn't like, hey, I have to be the quarterback because I'm the better guy. You know, he he took it like he had his little packages where he came out onto the field and but he mostly was on the bench. Uh, so he was maturing that way. He, he didn't force his hand to start him. Was he a little upset about not playing since he was obviously better than Jake Fromm? And who knows, maybe they were in a national championship conversation if he was starting over Jake Fromm. But it was that baseball incident that just was the final straw that led him transferring ultimately to Ohio State. Jake Fromm is a Buffalo Bill, by the way. Oh, that's what I meant. Bills. We'll see if he's yeah, there for much longer. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing he's going to get cut in camp this year. He's just a useless, you know, he sucks. And I think they signed Trubisky or something like that. So maybe he's better. Who knows? Anyways, but yeah, no, totally. It makes sense from what I've heard. You know, like I've never been much, you know, like, oh, well, he quit on his team. I, I No, I don't think that's what it is. I just think that, you know, He's a highly mature guy, and I think that, you know, there's certain things that happen in life where, you know, you don't want to be around that, and, you know, you find a different place. And, you know, he obviously found his way in Ohio State, and I think that, you know, if you think about the quarterbacks that have gone to Ohio State in the past, you know, may he may not have won the national championship like some other guys did, but I think that the stats and the stuff he was able to do, I think he'll be one of the best quarterbacks that the NF- in the NFL, at least, that Ohio State has ever produced. I think that you can see it on tape when you watch him. And I think that, you know, him transferring doesn't make me feel any different about, about the player. Um, let's get to one more voicemail. This is Travis. Uh, and basically, uh, he's talking a little bit about Alabama. I appreciate all your guys' podcasts. Uh, I've been listening for quite a while now. Uh, I don't miss one, I don't believe. So my question is how much – stock to be put into this idea that Shanahan and Lynch, you know, stay away from Alabama kids um, because, you know, they got burned by Foster and just how much should we consider that when all this talk about Mac Jones is going on? It just seems like to me, it's just really surprising because they haven't picked anyone from Alabama. So is this just all of a sudden going to stop and now they're going to be okay and they've given, you know, Alabama their cold shoulder for long enough or what um so yeah i was just curious about that but uh yeah keep it rock and roll man you guys are doing awesome and i appreciate it so he's asking you know why do the niners shy away from you know alabama players and you know we saw what happened with reuben foster but like what do you think leo when it comes to you know the niners and dealing with alabama and nick saban and such i honestly think that's a great point but to to second that it's when they have their guy, they have their guy and they don't need Nick Saban's validation for that guy. I think a player like Mac Jones, they would need Nick Saban's validation. So it's just really hard for me to think that Mac Jones would be the pick considering the history with Alabama. This is where I would, you know, tie it into. I think Najee Harris is someone that they don't need Nick Saban's validation for. Uh, so essentially it's a player by player basis. It isn't solely based on that bad taste that was left by Nick Saban and Ruben Foster in that, in that draft process. So I don't think it's Mac Jones. And if it was Mac Jones, they would definitely need, need Nick Saban to sell that to them. And it's just going to be really hard to have Nick Saban, Nick Saban sell that with that bad history there. I think there is something to it. I think that like the Ruben Foster thing was weird, but I mean, I, everyone would have said 
basically said after Ruben Foster, like, oh, if they took Ruben Foster at three, I wouldn't have been mad because he was such a talent. And, you know, the reason that he did fall as far as he did was because of the fact that this kind of stuff was going on around about, like people were saying it about him. And so, you know, with the Ruben Foster thing, it's just like, that was just bad luck, I think. And, but at the same time, like, I do think that probably hurt their trust with Nick Saban as a, you know, as a head coach and, and evaluating players. And, and, you know, I'm with you. It's not Mac, but I mean, I think that they could go take a Najee and they wouldn't have to talk to Saban about it. I think that, you know, Bay Area kid obviously wants to be a Niner, works his butt off. You know, that's like the guy that I think they're looking for. And I think they wouldn't need to talk to Saban for it. Um, let's just answer a couple more questions and then we'll talk about, you know, we'll give our final predictions before we sign off before the draft. Um, this was on Twitter. This is at Slippery Solomon. He says, can they move back from 43 and still get two second-day picks? They currently have no picks between 43 and 102. 60 selections is a long wait time between pick two and three. What do you think, Leo? I think one of those picks are not going to be selected in that in that spot. Whether it's 43, they're moving up for a playmaker on either side of the ball. They're going to move up. If they don't move up from 43, they're going to move up at 102. I, I ultimately ultimately believe that because like he said there that is a long freaking wait you're you're essentially waiting about two rounds uh, because that third round selection is a comp pick a comp pick is basically an early fourth is how you want to look at it because it's after the whole entire third round picks their picks and then you have that little little selection of the comp picks they're basically the early fourth um I don't think they're going to pick in, bo- in both those spots. I, I, I'll i be very shocked if the if they pick at 43 and they pick at 102. I'll, I'll just literally, I'll be shocked. One of those picks are being moved up on. I don't think it gets trade. I don't think 43 gets traded back for more capital because they already have nine pa- draft picks to begin with. How many realistically is going to make the roster? Hell, they had five draft picks last season and only four of those made the roster because Juwan Jennings... Remember, he didn't make the roster out of camp. So if you had four out of five make the roster last season, are we really banking on nine out of nine on a, on a team that already has over 80 guys signed? Um, that doesn't even include the second wave of free agency that we're supposed to see. Or if I don't want to you know, go too much into it, or if Jimmy Garoppolo is not on the roster, you just freed up $20 million, Like, get, Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get moved most likely, and that's going to be a second-round pick, and they're going to use these picks to move up to get better players because they are a team that is so close to winning now. They With a Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones, they could potentially be a team that with higher-quality players, they're going to win now. And so if I'm them, yeah, I have my sixth and seventh round guys. Sure, I got those picks. But I'm using my picks that I already have to move up earlier in the draft to get better players earlier to get my players. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get moved this weekend. Like, I don't think it's a hot take anymore. The way that they talk, anybody can die this weekend. Anybody can die on Sunday makes me think that there's probably something already in the works with maybe New England, Chicago, Denver. Something's already in the works. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is getting moved this weekend. So ideally, he gets moved for a second-round pick that they can then use to get better players or they can move to trade to get better players. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like, I think that they want to have as many early picks as possible because they think that they're there. And the later picks aren't going to make the roster like you just said. Yeah, I, I, I really do think one of those selections are not going to like, I, I'm willing to bet more on that than the money I already put on fields being coming a 49er. Um, that's how much confidence I have in regards to them moving out of that spot. And when I say out of that spot, not trading back, one of those picks are being moved up on because we're talking about two rounds here for a team. That's if your rookie quarterback is starting, you need another playmaker. Muhammad Sanu is not that playmaker. Travis Benjamin is not that playmaker. River Craycraft, all probably great guys <sighs> that I would love to share an IPA with on me, even though they're the rich ones. Um, IPA on me with one of those three guys, oh, no. but hey, it, it's 
<laughs> yeah, essentially on them. But if I'm convincing them to have a drink with me, it's probably going to have to be on me. Uh, but it's it you add, add that playmaker surround your rookie with talent. I I bring up the running back position. Yeah, it's not sexy because this Shanahan scheme could get production mostly from anybody. Um, yet, while this Shanahan scheme does get production from mostly anyone, I like Jeff Wilson Jr., but he had seven games of 10-plus carries. He only had more than four yards per carry on two of those seven. That's inefficient. The guy they just signed from the New York Giants, uh, Wayne Gallman, he averaged 2.5 yards after first contact. Raheem Mostert did not even average two. Jeff Wilson Jr., who's a power runner, averaged 2.2. So while I do like the running back room currently, I'm not going to shy away from it getting a whole lot better. So if they want to trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a two and now have two second-round picks and use that to go trade up into the late first to get Najee Harris, sign me up. You have five years of control. Five years of control of an elite running back. Whether you want to pay a running back or not, I'm not even going to entertain that discussion because, one, Najee has become a 49er for me to entertain that. Two, I have to see production from Najee to entertain that. But regardless, you will have five years of control. You could say four minimum because five if they don't pick up that fifth-year option, but there's no reason why you wouldn't if you have a talent like Najee Harris in a Shanahan scheme. Sign me up. I I just don't get it. Um, so, yeah, I'll trade Jimmy for a two right now if that tells me Najee Harris is coming to the 49ers. I think that they're going to try and pick high and early. I think that's uh, – or I'm sorry, I guess low and early, whatever. Um, and I <laughs> to get more players that are going to make this team. Um, let's answer one more question, and then we'll get into our final – Final, final prediction of what's going to happen on Friday. Uh, this is at Ian G58. G78. Uh, should I stay up and watch the draft? He's UK-based, I guess. If so, as a 49ers fan, which day of the draft do you think will be the key and hold the most excitement? I'll base my decisions on your input. Well, I'm going to go first on this one. I think it's going to be the first round. Because even after three, I think that the 49ers might get back into the first round again. I think that that I think that the Baltimore Ravens at pick 31 are a really good trade candidate for the 49ers to get back in and get Najee Harris before day two. I think that that's not a hot take. I guess I'm kind of letting my hand go a little bit, but I think that after they get the the quarterback, I think it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of excitement, which will allow you to just kind of enjoy, you know, reading media and reading Twitter and having a good time after the pick. And then I wouldn't be surprised if. Come towards the end of the night, the Niners trade back into the first, and there's another pick that night. I think the second night is going to be interesting, but the third the third is is kind of a wash. You can basically watch it from your phone and just kind of see the picks as they come up because it's sixth and seventh round guys. And yeah, sometimes they're exciting and you get, you know, sometimes you get a George Kittle or something like that out of there. But usually, you know, it's this first two nights, and I think that the first night is going to be the most exciting because when you have a brand new franchise quarterback – there's just so much excitement and so many things going on that, you know, you want to be part of it. I think that staying up will be worth it for the draft on Thursday for sure. Just because if it is who we think it is, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be shocking and you're going to have a lot of fun talking smack to a lot of blue check marks and a lot of talking heads. If Nate is right on say that 31st pick, because I think it's smart. Like they just traded away their tackle, like the Ravens are a very well built team, but they do have some pieces that they do need to fill: guard, tackle, another playmaker, um, defensive side as well. Like they're they're not done building. I don't think they have a better roster than the 49ers. They just have the quarterback position figured out. That's the only difference. So that's a good spot. If if that is where they do trade up at, say for a, a running back, even if it's Travis Etienne. Um, I say Najee Harris a lot because I know the 49ers do have a ton of interest in him and he's someone that was really pissed when the 49ers moved from 13 to 3 or excuse me moved from 12 to 3 because he thought he could have been the pick at 12 based on the conversations he was having with the 49ers and he said obviously they're not taking a damn running back at pick (laughs) 3 but 
I bring that up, if Nate is right, by the time pick three and 31 happens or, or wherever the Ravens are drafting, take like a three-hour nap and then you could wake up for that trade because the first round is going to be very, very, very long. Um, I do believe they trade up from 43. I don't know if it's going to be a first-round pick that they move up for. It could be early second round and they see who falls out of the first and get very aggressive. But I would not be surprised if it is within the first round because of that fifth-year option. It does come in handy. And this team has had multiple first-round picks in the past. They seem to like it. They didn't hit the first time with Reuben Foster and, and Solomon Thomas. Neither of those guys saw a fifth-year option. And Reuben Foster didn't even see more than a year and a half on the team. And then they did it again with Kinlaw and Ayuk. You know, obviously, they got Kinlaw because of the Buckner deal, but they're accustomed, they're like used to it, and, and you you enjoy that luxury when it happens. When you could get two first round picks, that is a, that's a luxury. And who knows, this front office could enjoy that enough to where they move Jimmy Garoppolo because someone's getting left at the altar, whether it's the Chicago Bears. I, I know they called Andy Dalton QB1. I don't know how much <laughs> I believe in that because it's Andy freaking Dalton. Uh, it could be the, the Washington football team because all they have is Fitzpatrick. Paul Fitzpatrick, you know, he's trendy, he's cool, but he's a cool QB2 or QB1 for four weeks. Um, and then you have the new uh, elephant in the room, New England Patriots. One of those teams are Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, he sucks now, just retire. <laughs> so one of those few teams are being left at the roster, or roster, altar, and if the 49ers could take advantage, get a second round pick from one of those four teams, use those two twos now to move up into the first to get their guy, whether it's a wide receiver, running back, cornerback, edge rusher, something, I would not be shocked because in 50% of their drafts together, they've completed four. In 50% of those, they've had multiple first round picks. It could happen again. I, I've, even if it's two twos plus a seven that they own, it can happen again. Stay up, buddy. Stay up for the first night. It's going to be a doozy. All right, you ready, Leo? This is it. This is the final prediction. This is the one that will be based on. We are now three. We are less than three days away from this thing. There will be a new quarterback in San Francisco by the next time you hear our voices on oh, on this show. I'm nervous. And so we thinking about three and thinking about the research we've done and the different people we've had on and the millions of people we've talked to on Twitter. Are you ready to pick at three your quarterback? Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go first because I kind of threw it in there. Right? You know, I'm a terrible producer. I, you know, I know I, I spoiled it. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe <laughs> so I'll go have, ahead. Maybe go I'll, ahead. Have, maybe I'll have Actually, our producer uh, bleep it. I'll go first. I'll okay, go you first. go first. Okay. So, this is my thing. It's you cannot tell me they're investing three ones for a guy that they don't know who who it is. You cannot tell me that. Early on in the process, a quarterback was working with John Beck, someone Kyle Shanahan trusts very much. And then you have a Mac Jones who has off-field issues, who has stuff on tape that, that's nice, but it isn't something that screams elite talent. He, good talent. Someone you could take at 12 and not be mad about, but not invest three first-round picks, just one. Two would be a stretch, but it could happen. Three? No, thank you. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan has that same philosophy. So now I'm crossing Mac Jones out. I've heard John Beck state in a podcast uh, on KMBR. Well, not a podcast, but they uploaded it like it was one. And he stated Kyle Shanahan's really big on feet. The feet and the eyes together. That creates timing. That creates accuracy. I don't see that in watching Trey Lance tape. Seems like his eyes and his brain is ahead of his feet tends to be late, tends to be inaccurate. 
and he barely started working with John Beck two weeks ago. I I don't think John Beck is the Bible. He's not the end-all, be-all uh, when it comes to evaluating the quarterback position for Kyle Shanahan, but does he have a significance? Yeah, I do believe so. Kyle Shanahan also stated in the presser today, a Drew Brees that can move like Lamar Jackson. Stood out to me. Could Mac Jones be a Drew Brees? Possibly. Yeah. You know, he's good within the pocket. He's accurate. He could work well within the system. Does he move like Lamar Jackson? Absolutely. God damn. No. <laughs> the furthest thing from it. <laughs> um, could Trey Lance uh, be a Drew Brees from the pocket? Yeah, possibly. You know, he was already calling out audibles as a 19-year-old. You know, granted, it was the FCS. So they don't really... You know, in the FCS, what you see is what you get. They're they're not really disguising much, so you, you got to take that into consideration. It's like cool, the dude understands a basic look. Great, good for him. He should. But does he also move like Lamar Jackson? Yes, a little a little too much for my preference, um, because it, it is very taxing. The hits you get in the NFL is completely different than the hits you get from the FCS completely like they're not different i don't think his running ability will translate completely will he still be a valuable rusher a valuable ball carrier could he still run qb power could he still run qb sweep absolutely is he gonna look like a man amongst boys like he did at north north dakota no i don't think so he feels more of the lamar jackson role lance does than he does with the Drew Brees role. Like, there's work that has to be there. Lance fits that 75%. What are we doing here? Fields. Fields fits the accuracy, fits the feet, and then fits the mobility. Not to a Lamar uh, Jackson statue, of course. The last time we've seen a Lamar Jackson was Michael Vick. Literally, that's that's the last time. It, it does not happen very often. But can he move? 100%. If you need him to pick up a, a third and 12, third and 12 with his legs, which is not very easy. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has ever picked up a third and 12 with his legs. If you need fields to, absolutely, he can get that done. So we're not talking about checks the box 50% on that mold Kyle Shanahan used as an example. We're not talking 75%. We're talking 100% here. So that's why no matter what I see from Rappaport, Look, if I'm wrong, okay, you know, I'm just putting pieces together, listening to myself based on what my eyes tell me. Also, the conversations I hear from people, I don't really want to say sources because I, I do believe Shanahan and is the only one that truly knows. I would say Lynch and Adam Peters as well. If it's not coming from one of those three guys, I'm not going to say, oh, it's it because this person told me. But I do hear things that that Fields is the pick. And if it's not, then, hey, I was wrong. That's fine. That's fine. You know, it happens. Nobody bets. Nobody bats a thousand. Hell, in in the MLB, nobody even bats 400. You hit 30 (laughs) percent. You're great. You're an all star. Uh, And that's kind of what it's like in the draft process as well. If if you hit 30 percent on your draft predictions, you're goddamn guru so i just hope justin fields is part of my 30 percent correct analysis and and that's what my gut is telling me that's what my mind is telling me and that's what my network is telling me so that's three for three it's got to be justin fields what you just said was is interesting from you know everything you know we've heard all the Rappaport, we've heard all the Schefter, we've heard all of it right and it's always said mac jones or trey lance and it's been weird that nothing has ever said Justin Fields on it specifically. And it brings me back to the, the pro day with Justin Fields where there's that video. It's only 14 seconds long. But the way that Shanahan and Justin Fields are talking, I've never seen Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan talk that way. And, yes, they probably have talked that way, but not in that the way that they talk. And that the rumor of that talk was that it was 35 minutes long. They talked for a while. And they talk like they were old friends. And it just nothing has ever said to me that Kyle wants to take a risk on a Trey Lance. You know, they only went out there for three or four hours. 
Mac Jones is not the pick, guys. It's not. There's no way they're taking Mac Jones. I don't think there's any way they take Mac Jones on Thursday. It's never made sense. There's been no Beck, no coaching, no talking to the coaches, no talking to the parents, nothing. There's nothing that's ever linked Jones and Shanahan except for these talking heads, blue checkmark reports. Trey Lance could very well be the pick on Thursday. It very well could be Trey Lance, and they're just ready to, you know, he Shanahan likes his upsides and wants to pick Trey Lance over Justin Fields. But if I'm picking who is going to go three on Thursday, I'm going to take Justin Fields because I think that he has the best upside. I think that he can go out there, and as long as he plays decent, and if he and if he plays up to what Justin Herbert did last year, this is a team that can go right back to the Super Bowl, and this is a team that can go win a Super Bowl if he plays like Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert played so well last year that if he was on this 49ers team, they probably would have won the Super Bowl and been better than Tampa Bay. And so I'm taking Justin Fields to be the pick at three. I think that it's the best pick to make. I think that a lot of the reason that we've seen so much smoke is because the 49ers are still afraid that the Jets might do a Jets thing and not take Zach Wilson. And so they're just keeping it quiet. I think that there's also some stuff going on with the NFL to make this thing the most watched draft ever. I think there's also ways they're trying to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think by saying Mac is the pick at three, it leads to people thinking, well, we might miss out on something. And the teams that miss out on quarterback, there's Jimmy Garoppolo for you. If your defense is good enough, he might win you some games. Everything I've seen, everything I've, on my own eyes, anything I've been told by people, anything I've ever listened, anything I've read, it's felt like it's Justin Fields. And if it's not Justin Fields, that's fine. Like you said, I can be wrong. But in, I think it should be Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I don't see any world where it's Mac Jones. I just don't see a possibility that Kyle would take that many picks and trade up for Mac freaking Jones when Trey Lance and Justin Fields are there. And people continue to forget Justin Fields and Kyle Shanahan have a relationship. They've known each other for a long time. This isn't a new relationship. This isn't the first time they met. He met Trey Lance for the first time a couple weeks ago. He's known Justin Fields for over five years. The pick is Justin Fields. The Niners are going to take Justin Fields with the third overall pick on Thursday. That's how I honest to God feel. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But this is the most sure I've been of something when it comes to this football team in a long time. I'm more sure of it than I was Stafford was going to be a Niner. I'm more sure of it than Jimmy, than Jimmy Garoppolo was getting co- traded. And I still think Jimmy Garoppolo, is getting, ah, Jimmy Garoppolo is getting traded. But I think that Justin Fields is going to be a San Francisco 49er on Thursday after pick three is announced. Yeah, and I did state that Justin Fields worked with John Beck right after the national championship. Well, hell, Justin Fields has worked with the QB Collective for years. So in order to for you to make that move from 12 to three and gave up what you gave up. You have to have confidence in the guy. Does Shanahan have, have that much confidence in Trey Lance that early in the process? Did he, did he have that much confidence in Mac Jones or that early in the process? Did he, or did he have that much confidence for a quarterback that he's had relationships with, whether it was third party relationships or if it was firsthand relationships, Regardless of the matter, he's known this kid for a long goddamn time. I think it's time. Bring Justin Fields to the Bay. Bring him to the Bay. It's going to happen. I I say that confidently. I just think that when you trade to three, you don't trade to three being like, well, maybe it's this guy. You trade to three knowing that there's a guy that you're confident with. And when Kyle Sanahan says, you know, we we, we saw five guys we liked. Well... Yeah, okay, five guys you liked. But who were you confident enough to make the starting quarterback? Because that guy is probably going to be the pick. And that guy is Justin Fields. You know, the media wants you to believe it was Mac Jones. Kyle's never even seen Mac Jones before that day that he went down and he saw him in Alabama. And he was not impressive. There's quotes where people said that was one of the worst pro days they've seen. It's Justin Fields. It has to be Justin Fields. After the pick is in, after the pick is named, I'm going to enjoy my $140 profit that I'm going to make once it's Justin Fields. But man, I'm going to wish I bet more than $25 on it. I already know it. I would have been like, honey, 
we would have been rich if I bet the savings on it. And I'm going to tell myself that, but hey, regardless, if it's Justin Fields, I'm going to be happy if I won $0 or a million dollars. Like to me, can't even put a number on it because I know this team will be a contending franchise for the next 15 years minimum. Yeah, no, I feel like this is the best quarterback they've had since if they nail this and he is who we think he is, Justin Fields will be the next great 49ers quarterback and it won't be a five-year thing. It won't be a seven-year thing. It'll be a 15-year thing. This will be the quarterback of the future for a long time. And I just I just think they got it. They know what they're doing. They're going to get it right. And I think that we're going to be really happy Thursday night on, you know, Niners Nation's live stream, I think. On and you're on Goldmine's live stream. I think everybody is going to be in a really good mood Thursday night after pick three. And that's going to do it for us. This is the last show before the draft. We'll be back next week after the draft is over. We'll break down all the draft picks, Justin Fields included, <laughs> and enjoy the draft. Uh, I mean, Leo, is there anything you want to plug before before the end of the show? If you guys are on Twitter or Instagram, you know where to find me, Leo Luna 93 But as always, more in-week content. YouTube search, 49ers Goldmine. You'll find myself on there. You'll find Nate on there. And uh, we just look forward to talking uh, draft with you guys and, and continue this coverage post-draft. Talk training camp. Talk mini camp. You know, hopefully they get more than 28 days this season before the season starts. And uh, I, I appreciate if you listen this far within the podcast, appreciate you guys as always. Yeah, appreciate everything. Appreciate all the listens we got during this process before the draft. I mean, we tried to have a lot of different guests on, a lot of different people to give you a lot of different opinions, and we hope you enjoyed that. You know, enjoy the draft. Follow me at Niner Nate Forty Nine. We'll be live on Niners Nation all night. Uh, we'll have a pit. We'll have a podcast up as soon as the pick is is done. Uh, there's not much else I can say. Justin Fields, no matter what. Don't screw this up, Shanahan. We'll see you next week.